From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Welcome to the show, uh, View from the Cheap Seats. Sklar Brothers here. We have a fantastic show today. Uh, we get to sit down and talk to a gentleman who has done really interesting stuff in the world of sports. He is the star, the creator of uh, Sports Science uh, on ESPN, among other projects and other, you know, it, it was built out of other shows that he had done in the science realm. Uh, John Brankis, he's a huge sports fan, knows his stuff so well. Uh, and we sit down and talk to him about the origins of that show and sort of analytics and the ability to test all these things and compare, take somebody's strength and speed in one area and apply it somewhere else. It is fascinating. It's a great conversation. Uh, Jay and I will do quick hits on our own. And then later at the end of the show, uh, I don't know if you heard this news, but uh, Nicolas Cage, our buddy Nick Cage, is going to be playing Joe Exotic. That is like perfect casting on a, I don't know who's crazier, Nick Cage or Joe Exotic. I think he may become Joe, like, like Nick Cage might get arrested and go to jail just to. Nick Cage definitely, once he found out that he's playing Joe Exotic, like just bought a lion. And just hanging out with a lion in his house. At any rate, we're going to get a voicemail from him. Uh, So lots to talk about. I know Jay, you are, uh, we're in the midst of and are watching the uh, Last Dance, which is just fascinating. Um, and, and we can talk about that as well. Uh, but- it, 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 it's a, it's a convergence of a lot of things. I, I, I've been trying to figure out why I think the last dance is so, is such a big deal, Rand. And I think it's number one, we're starved for new content in this moment. So this is the newest thing that's coming out and it is new. It's like kind of the best of what we can do right now other than cheap seats being brought back. It's the best of what can be done right now. Which well, it's is- a new take on the old experience. It's nostalgia mixed with something new and unknown. And so um, it's exciting. I love it. And I think we all are, now that we're six, seven weeks into... Eight weeks. Eight we're weeks eight into weeks. this lockdown, we are missing sports in a way that... that I'm longing for it. I'm really sad. I've gone through all the old games I want to watch and I need something new. And I know some of the sports, and that's our top take today, is to talk about what some so of the sports... I saw, yeah, some of the sports are talking about what is their plan? What right. is their plan for coming back? So I saw this report and I saw it on CNN. So it wasn't on ESPN. It wasn't on, like, I didn't see it on like Bleacher Reporter, you know what I mean? I saw right. it on CNN. So you know when it gets to CNN that it's- that it's real. The, yeah, that it's just, they wouldn't report on it. CNN doesn't do sports. So they wouldn't report on it if it wasn't like a legitimate thing. And so I saw USA Today, a baseball beat writer who was talking about the MLB, <coughs> excuse me, is really looking towards starting the season at the end of June, at July 1st, by the latest, and having a 100-game season, which, by the way, is, and we've talked about this, so many people feel like the MLB season is so long that what's the point? Uh, You know, like 162 games, like why should we care about this? moment or this thing or this, you know, fine, somebody has has a bad game, like it just discourages, it's not like college football where every play means something. It's not even like the NFL. The NFL has, they're talking about expanding the 17 or 18 games, fine. Still, you know, like you can lose a game in the NFL and it doesn't mean, you know, no one goes undefeated. (laughs) The Patriots did and they lost the Super Bowl. So what I'm saying is like 12 and four, you can, very easy way to still win the Super Bowl. You can lose some games. The point is baseball, whatever you lose, if you lose 60 times in in baseball, you are an unbelievable team, like maybe close to all-time great. And I've lost 80 times and won the World Series. Exactly. So they're talking about starting then and having a 100-game series without fans. And 
you know, there was one game that was played in Baltimore a few years back, uh, right after the verdict came down that those police officers got off for the killing of, <clears throat> of a, of a young African-American man. And they, there was like potential rioting in Baltimore. And so they said, we are not going to gather this group of people together. And the Orioles and I forgot who it was. I want to say the Rays, but I could be wrong. Played a game with no fans in the stands. And yes, there's photos of it and it looks like batting practice. It doesn't even look like it's real. However, I do think there are ways to frame it from a shooting standpoint to where the person at home watching the game will not uh, suffer that much the idea that they're doing it in front of an open stadium. I mean, the joke is that the Rays have been playing in front of an empty stadium for years and they were Period. a playoff team last year. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there, wasn't there like 5,000 people at a Marlins game? So it's not like they haven't done anything like this before, but I do believe that this is the way forward. People need it. If you're, again, 15 million people watch the draft. And that was like, fine, but it's not. They're the doing it from their houses. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The question is, so this is forcing us to ask the deepest question about what we miss about sports. And I think what we miss about sports is the unknown. I'm not when, knowing. When two teams lace them up and get on the field to play, we're talking the highest level athletes in their chosen and given sport facing off against each other. That's what we want to see. So when you know, Jake, yeah, when Jake, when you and I went to the Bengals game to watch, to do the piece about the Bengal cheerleaders, the Bengals about wanting to be the two, the first two Ben guys, uh, which was so fun. We stood in the corner of the end zone, like back a few yards and watched and we watched Seattle play and we watched someone catch a touchdown like a six foot five receiver over a defensive back right in the corner right by us and what he had to do with his body the way he had to contort and where he had to go to to make that catch was just he high pointed it and it was like something that you just, that's the best of the best of the best. You're watching that happen and you say- hey, You're watching the best athlete, one of the best athletes in the world pull off something at his own limits of athletic ability. That's what we want to see. We care about that. Obviously the fans matter, but you know what? At this point, you can't argue it. It's almost like, you know, it is what it is. We're, we're watching- You get what you get and you don't get upset. Period. So I'm crossing my fingers like you are Maybe baseball. If baseball can pull 100 games off in this year, you know, I think people about like, why is it people are like, why is it important? Why is it so important? We have a pandemic. We have this because it is going to help you get through. We say to yourself, how are you going to help people get through? Well, we continue to do this podcast, even though there is no there are no sports. We continue to do this podcast because we want to give people something new that they haven't heard, a different take on something, something that they haven't thought of. And we're trying like rub two sticks together to make interesting interviews and interesting things and comedy and our takes on the world because we want to give somebody, somebody something new. And that's what sports does. That's what we do. And uh, I think it's our it's our only way to help us get through this time and bridge us to the next time which will hopefully uh be full-on sports again and full-on comedy and full-on interaction with people uh for the time being this is what we got and i'm very excited uh on the other side of this break we have a great guest uh he's the man who created sports science um and he's with us uh right around on the other side of this break don't go anywhere there's no proof of halos strapped in your mind Hey everybody, it's Elaine Welteroth and I'm hosting a new podcast called Built to Last by American Express, where we will dive deep into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Our debut season will focus on Black-owned small businesses that need our support now more than ever. In each episode, we feature the story of a Black business trailblazer that has inspired a modern Black-owned business. First up is Pinky Cole of Atlanta's food truck turned restaurant, 
Saleti Vegan. We'll also chat with Hanifa Muemba, the cutting-edge designer behind the Hanifa 3D digital fashion show. Plus, we'll check in with Issa Rae, our modern-day Renaissance woman. We hope that it encourages all of our listeners to support these businesses as well as the Black-owned businesses in your own communities. Tune in for these amazing stories and others on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. As promised, we are so excited to have this guy on, uh, being a fan of the stuff that he's done on ESPN, specifically with the science of sports and sports science. John Brankus, thank you so much for joining us on View from the Cheap Seats, man. Really appreciate you guys having me. It's amazing, the rise of your show. And I also, the, also, what I would say is the... I, I categorize what you do as something that we never realized we need and love, but as soon as we have it, we're like, where, why didn't we have this long ago? Yeah. And I think obviously technology has helped, but you sort of filled a niche we didn't even realize we needed, and now we love it and crave it. I love it. Yeah, I, re- I really appreciate it. You know, it's an interesting um, interesting sort of evolution. A lot of people are always like, well, how did you, know, how'd you get that job? Yeah. I'm like I, I made the job, you know, I, yeah. I owned the company and we had two divisions, a sport division and a science division. And it was a production company. And we ended up fusing those two things together in a show called XMA extreme martial arts that was on uh-huh. discovery. Yeah. Tom Cruise did the raps for it and it was very okay, successful. Thanks. And then, then we did a fight science. It was on national geographic. That was so successful at Fox owned geographic and Fox sports. And, uh, you know, we basically combined sport and science and a lot of people are like, God, how'd you come up with that idea? And I, I feel like there's no way, obviously that I was the first one to come up with that idea. I think we were just the first ones to execute it in a way that became difficult to compete with. So it was really entertaining, really educational. We got the world's greatest athletes we never paid for anybody to be on, uh, you know, ultimately, obviously, it ended up on ESPN, so it became very hard to compete with. So, yeah. felt felt very, very blessed um, to you know we made a little dent in the sports universe um, and allowed people to look at sport through a different lens. Totally, and I do think that like teams, there are now analytics departments within teams that maybe didn't exist before. It used to be like, you know, pre-money ball was like, just let the scout go out and do the the eye test. And now there's just so much more about how this guy's body makeup is, how fast he's going in this scenario. And it is like almost setting up those experiments that you guys would do on the show. But in, in putting that in, how do we analyze our players? I mean, think about the draft that just happened, the NFL draft. Yep. There are guys that go in the draft that you say to yourself, how did they find this person? And then you start to realize, no, it's because they're putting the science of sports together that they're like, this guy who went to a tiny college may be a breakout star in the NFL. And we just know that analytics means he might be that. Right. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of uh, the story that analytics will tell is whether or not someone, what I like to refer to is in the Goldilocks zone, big enough, strong enough, fast enough, but not too fast, not too slow, just right. Um, You know, I I point to a stat often about, you know, people fall in love with the top of the curve. And I love to try to put in perspective that very rarely is the top of the curve curve the right answer in anything, except, you know, if you want to run a hundred meter dash, you want to be the fastest person. But if you're playing something like football, if you take the top five running backs of all time, you know, the uh, exception to this is I believe Adrian Peterson just moved into the top five. So if you took the top four, none of them are over six feet tall. The average weight is 212. None of them were the fastest in uh, the fastest person on their team, even at their own position. They, but they were all big enough, strong enough, fast enough. And um, that Goldilocks zone is what people really need to understand 
in terms of evaluating a player or evaluating how special something actually is. Um, and that's led me to a lot of different conclusions, um, you know, beyond football and just evaluating talent. It's really, um, you know, drawn a lot of conclusions on, you know, in terms of the best businesses out there, yeah. in terms of the best of anything, it's usually not the top of the curve. It's usually something that's in that uh, Goldilocks zone. It's amazing. And so then what is there, is there sort of an inexplainable special sauce that people have that cannot be quantified with science, but the sort of, okay, so Emmett Smith was, you know, the, the leading rusher of all time. And like you said, he's probably six feet tall and he's probably like a guy like Julian Edelman. Like, how do you even account for someone like that? Yeah. I mean, look at, look at Edelman. I mean, he wasn't even a receiver. I mean, he was quarterback at Kent state. Yep. Um, you know, what, what, what I find very interesting is, um, athletes, like when we analyze sports, football is an athletic sport. It is not the proverbial sort of 10,000 hour sport with the exception of the position of quarterback and maybe linebacker. Um, you know, I mean, you can, you can teach a great athlete to be a good receiver fairly quickly. I mean, if you're a great athlete, if you're Julian Edelman and you were playing quarterback and you could stop and start and understood the game and you, you could turn somebody like that into a receiver and that's not shocking um, mm-hmm. that you could, it's, it actually happens more often than we think. Um, and that's what, that's sort of the magic of Belichick is that he's, he's very, um, he's very divorced from the idea of, oh, you are a quarterback in college, therefore you're a quarterback. It's, hey, you're a particular kind of athlete. And in his system, he loves little guys running a slant. He just loves that idea. Um, So that's where you get the Wes Welker and the Julian Julian Edelman and, you know, line up all the receivers. He doesn't like the big guys on the inside running that quick little slant. And he wants bigger receivers on the outside who can run flies and streaks. And and the reason being is he keeps it pretty simple. I love to tell everybody that football is just a game, just like baseball is a game of timing and how much you can throw somebody's timing off. Football is just... It's, it's a magic trick every play. You're trying to convince somebody, hey, I'm going to go left. Oh, actually, I'm going right. And yep. when you have three options, like the way that the Patriots have set it up, you know, for, you know, for as long as they've been doing it, it's it, when you're trying to defend three options, it's, it, it becomes very tough. So that, that's really what's been at the core of their success is that he keeps it very simple, but disguises it very well. And so now what's okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I'll go one step further. We were speaking to when we worked at the NFL network with Ike Taylor, great uh, defensive back with Pittsburgh. And I said, okay, tell me that what is the difference between a good quarterback in the NFL and Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, what, what makes them so much better? And in a very scientific way, he said, and it, and it was very similar to a conversation I had with Pedro Martinez when talking about pitching, is that Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and, and, and Aaron Rodgers can put the ball in a one-foot-by-one-foot one box that only the receiver's hands can catch, which you're talking about little guys. He throws it low, and they're low, and he puts in a spot that if you're a defensive back, Ike Taylor said, I either have to interfere with the guy and get a penalty called, or, or, hope, or hope that it doesn't get called. Hope that it doesn't get called or hope that the guy drops it. And these guys are so good with their hands that they're going to catch it most times, which is why they're successful going down, which is the pinpoint accuracy of a quarterback like Brady in that system is amazing. So now that Tom Brady is in Tampa with the weapons that he has, now we're really going to see is Bill Belichick. What, what was the sort of the, what was the driving the, force? Exactly. Was it yeah. Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick or was it both? And now who's going to survive? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, to me, it's, I, I think it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. You get Gronk and you get uh, Tom Brady to join a team with Mike Evans. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you know, like you've got, you've got a short option uh, in Gronk. You got a long option in Evans. You've got, uh-huh. you know, anybody else coming out of the backfield. And all of a sudden you've got that three pronged offense that I'm talking about of that. It, Brady is going to be very disciplined. Um, so in this initial season, really the test, it's, it, I think it'll be a shame when, you know, Brady's going to win in Tampa and yeah. Belichick's going to win in, in New England. I mean, they're both going to win. Um, I, I hope that we don't take sides and say, see, Brady never needed Belichick because right. Belichick's magic was longevity and consistency and, you know, getting everybody to be on the same page. Can Bruce Arians do that 
um, in Tampa consistently? Can he, you know, keep filling a roster and get guys on the same page and sort of be that Phil Jackson type coach that Belichick also is where you kind of give me an assembly of players. I need my two or three critical um, pieces, but then I can make everybody else kind of follow along. There's a magic to that. So I think they're going to both be successful. I mean, they're both brilliant in their, in their own ways. So they yeah. aren't dependent on each other, but they were dependent on each other for the longevity. But I don't think in any in a vacuum, um, I don't think either will fail. Right. I, I agree with that 100%. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they both do and for how long. I think that's what you're really pointing yeah. to right now. I, totally. I love that you brought up Phil Jackson because obviously in the sports world, that's sort of the hottest topic right now is Jordan, the Bulls, Phil Jackson in that universe. And, you know, I think now that we're watching Jordan play and, you know, essentially watching his highlights and his games, you can, in a sense, bring him more to the forefront and contextualize him against someone like LeBron. And obviously these are the the debates that people are having and, and have had forever. Can you, in a sports science kind of a way, like evaluate Jordan's game and LeBron's game and understand sort of who they are in each other's worlds. Yeah. You know, we actually did, um, I've actually, I've had the incredible, um, honor to, you know, work with both of them and I'm pretty friendly with Jordan. Um, and I've had a chance to, you know, really dive into what makes Jordan Jordan and what makes LeBron, um, LeBron when everyone tries to compare, like who's better, um, you know, with the Jordan LeBron debate on, I, I always say this, does it, does, does that argument matter? Yeah. Because they are, they're two completely different players yeah. and, and they, and what, where do we get by trying to just, can't we just decide those are two amazing athletes? Of course. You know, like it's like trying we to decide can. which song is better, <laughs> you know, like, I, mean, I don't know, can, like, but people want to know people are so people want to know like that. That is their thing. They want to get, I know, I, I know. And from a purely scientific point of view, look, when you break it down, they're completely different players. They played in totally different eras, even though there was a slight overlap when Jordan came back for the third time. Yeah. You know, there's a slight overlap, but they're t- completely different eras, totally different game. The game of, I mean, it's almost, it, it, it is honestly almost a different sport. It's just so, you can't touch anybody now. Three pointers being hooked up from 40 feet away. Like, yep. it, it's just not the same game. So, it's hard to really compare, but I will do this in terms of comparison. I will say that there are, there, and everybody should play this game at home. Name irreplaceable players mm-hmm. in, 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 let's say the majors, the major sports in, um, in it's, our country. So it's the war argument. It's the war, the war. above replacement. Okay. Yep. Like you can, like, if you lose this player, your team will not win the championship. So yeah. who's, who's irreplaceable. And, you know, when you go down this game and, and, and play, let's play like the NFL and NBA and, you know, baseball is a little bit harder because it's, you know, players are not involved uh, very often. So if you just take, let's take football and, and basketball, yeah. here's the truth. When people say, well, Joe Montana, he's irreplaceable. You're like, by definition, he was replaced. Yeah. So Joe Montana, as great as he was, uh-huh. somebody else stepped in and won Super Bowls right after him. Mm-hmm. So he was, by definition, replaceable. When right. you like go down this list and start saying, well, who is genuinely irreplaceable? LeBron has made the best argument ever that he is the most irreplaceable player, arguably in the history of the NBA, including Jordan. Yeah. Because, I mean, if Michael Jordan playing in his era, if he, if he went to go play for the Washington you know, Bullets, which he ended up playing uh, for the Wizards, if he ended up going to play for just pick your team, do they yeah. win a championship? And I think that what you're seeing in the last stand, in, in the, the last dance, is Jordan being very open about without Phil Jackson, without Scottie Pippen, oh, and Pippen. without, without and Pippen Rodman. and Rodman. You hear him saying, we wouldn't have won as much. Yep. And that's what I th- think is so endearing, is yeah. that Jordan is opening up saying, 
I, I, Michael Jordan would not have been Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson. And I loved the line about how he wasn't a Phil Jackson fan initially. Yeah. And obviously because of Texas triangle offense, right. you have a, you have a player in a system where you have this very rare combination. Now, how crazy is this? And I, and, and I think I tried, I was trying to explain this to my son who's yeah. 14 and okay. we're watching the last dance together. And it's amazing. So Jay's doing it with his son. His I watch with my 11 year old son. The best. It's the best, the best, right? You're like, they don't oh my know God. Because they don't know. And you're actually they literally. Don't know. And I'm like, here them. comes some F-bombs. He's bloodshot okay. because he's having a little drink. I'm like giving him like, we're just throwing everything out and just watch. Just watch it, what it was. And, and, he and here was, oh, it's amazing. And here's what's fascinating is when, you know, even my 14-year-old son watching, um, watching the series, he's like, man, they played hard back then. Yep. I said, it was a different time. The rules yeah. were different and the expectation was different. Yeah. You know, Jordan, Michael Jordan, if you look at his annual salary, he was not making money until he came back the second time. That's he wasn't, right. he just wasn't making money and yeah. it, relative to the league. He, and that wasn't his driving force. His driving force was win, 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 win. So I loved, you know, the Rodman episode that they just played. I just loved watching how, Look, the Zen master on yeah. how to deal with Dennis That's Rodman right. is That's let right. Dennis be Dennis as long as the exchange is I'll let you be you as long as what you are is a champion. Then you can do whatever you want. I don't care. And I love that idea of uh, how Phil was able to wrangle in those egos Amazing. and Amazing. get everybody on the same page. You know, I mean, you can even you can even put it in the same terms as like a defensive matchup on on the post on the block. Right. So if you got a guy banging against yep. you, banging against you, banging against you, if you bang back against him, then that's going to yep. create a battle. If you yep. back away and just let him go, he's going to fall down. And so yep. it's almost like pulling the chair out from under. When you're, when yeah, you're, it's, it's amazing that you bring that up because you mentioned Tom Brady having three options. He's yep. essentially, he's got the triangle. I mean, so Tex winner, even 100%. Stuff translates to another thing. It's like, and the best way to see the triangle was in the episode they just aired where that above right. you're looking down on the court and you're watching plays develop where the triangle starts here on the left side and then it moves, the yep. ball moves and then the triangle moves and then it moves this way. And again, it was in in an effort to give the play all the players an ability to step up. And I think to be involved, once, yeah. Right. Once I you him. accepted that, that was everything. But to me, it yeah. also it relates to what you do. Sorry to say yeah. this, and I want to hear what you have to say. But I do think the reason why Phil is so prolific is because he was so forward thinking. He wasn't like, let me get the best horses and just let them be who they are. He was yeah. like, I want to make you guys better. By maybe making the best a little bit worse, that goes back to your not taking the top of the curve. Yeah. Maybe make you a little worse to make the rest of the people even better, so we all move up the curve and we kind of meet in the middle. Totally, and we become a team. Yeah. It, totally, and I, 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 I'd love to point out a couple things. One in sure. basketball and football. So in in basketball, in watching uh, the Last Dance, this was the thing that really stood out to me, especially with my son watching. Right, he he just said, "God, who." He's like, Jordan looks so much like Kobe. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. like, well, Kobe's emulating Jordan. And I said, what do you think the odds are that some kid named Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, is, you know, growing up in Italy, idolizing Jordan, mm -hmm. like right down to the, to the, how he, you know, sticks out his tongue. When and when he gets into the league, he succeeds by having the same coach as Jordan, what are the odds of this happening? It's I'm amazing. like, that's crazy. So, and then when you talk about Brady and his three options that I keep saying, it's like very simple, you know, sort of when everyone's saying, you know, oh, I think the Chiefs might be a one trick pony this year. I'm like, listen, the Chiefs are their first legit team that had four options. That's and right. And they just keep it super simple. That's They're right. like, I'm going to have a check down. I'm mm -hmm. going to have a quick slant and I've got a long. And now you got a guy who can run. That's and right. when you add that, that becomes really hard. And that when everyone's like, well, what if they lose Tyreek Hill? I'm like, you replace that. Like, he's yeah. a great receiver, but That's you right. replace that. What yeah. happens if they lose Kelsey? You replace that. Yeah. Like, it's all, it's all good. You know, I'm like, Mahomes, a little harder to replace, but well, you know, the fourth option is tough. 
And, and in that Super Bowl, there was a moment where they were down and, and Mahomes is standing on the sideline, holding onto his shoulder pads. And, you yep. know, he's got his mouthpiece out and he's not freaking out. He's not yelling at anyone. He's just looking and you're like, yeah. this kid, man, this kid is going to bring them back. And it's like when it all breaks down, when everything breaks down, the yep. four options you just described breaks down, he might still be able to get you the 15 yards you need, the 30 yard pass, whatever. Totally. Just by his own creativity. And that's what makes him special. And that's what makes, and that's what's going to make them very tough to beat. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're, they're incredible. So um, it's, it's, it, it's been awesome to watch. That's for sure. Awesome. Uh, okay. Right. Noticing you have to get going. Uh, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we appreciate you so much for being here. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. For let people it. know what kind of stuff that they can, uh, all of our fans can dig into on your. Absolutely. On your- yeah. You know, I mean, I appreciate you guys so much. The, uh, I'm working with a company called Killcliff now. Yep. Go to Killcliff, K-I-L-L-C-L-I-F-F.com. It's the ultimate clean energy drink. Incredible company. I've been approached by pretty much everybody in the space. And it's the one product that I can really believe in, um, in especially in the drink space. So it's clean energy oh. drink. Um, got a uh, project coming out with Intel and just go to johnbrinkus.com. Follow me on Twitter, johnbrinkus underscore, but definitely underscore and definitely check out Killcliff because it's uh, one of the few products that scientifically I could really get behind. We will awesome. definitely do that as uh, weekend warriors ourselves. I'm sure we can benefit from it. Awesome. Uh, and uh, we appreciate it. This was so much fun and hopefully we'll, we can have you back on again in the future. You were amazing. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay. God bless. Bye. 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 Introducing the new Verizon Business Unlimited plans. Now you can pick a plan for as low as $30 a month per line with AutoPay. Get 5G nationwide, plus massive data capacity, plus spam blocking features. And with Verizon Business Unlimited, you can mix and match the right plans for your business so you get more of what you need and none of what you don't. From Verizon, the network businesses rely on. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities on most VZ 5G devices. Monthly per line pricing with five plus lines on Biz Unlimited Start. Device payment, smartphone purchase, auto pay, and paper free billing required. Terms apply. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, John Brink is phenomenal, phenomenal, so great. And again, I was totally wowed by his knowledge. Like his, yeah. his, the depth of his knowledge. He's someone who doesn't want to get caught flat-footed, not knowing anything. You could tell he. You can tell he's a lover of the game, and at the same time, he uh, he loves kind of what it all represents. I'm I was really impressed with him. All right, let's- what I was impressed with I, what I love about him is that he hasn't changed the game necessarily, but he has changed how we view what already exists, and that's very hard to do. And I love that. All right, let's get into some quick hits, shall we? Yes. Uh, Aaron Gordon J turned heads at the 2020 Slam Dunk Contest when he literally got up over taco fall so we watched it uh liev and i watched and uh what do you think should should he have won i mean he goes over a seven six dude at the end it wasn't just for that dunk he had better dunks overall and yes look okay but that was the problem because i I watched a little thing on bleacher report where so aaron gordon he okay two-handed slam over taco fall got a 47 derrick jones jr ended up he, you know, he, he lost, he lost to Derek Jones Jr. Ended up losing by one point the whole thing. He, Aaron Gordon then released a diss track called Nine Out of 10 that where he, call, where he called out Dwayne Wade. Who Dwayne Wade, one, who was one of the people who, so basically I think what they were trying to do was have somebody give him a nine and the other person give him a 10 so that there could be another dunk. But three people gave him nines instead of only one and he got a 47 instead of a 50 and he lost right. so it and that's the second year in the road that he's sort of been snubbed like he this dude is an unbelievable dunker. he's an unbelievable dunker he's like he's like as big as you can be and still he's like can. lebron he, he reminds me of lebron in, in his body size so maybe he's bigger. six eight or six nine, Aaron Gordon, or maybe six ten. I mean, he's he's up there, but he also can fly like a. He's six like Blake Griffin. He's like Blake Griffin in size. That's that's who I liken him to, and 
you know, what's so funny and what's such a bummer, and this is what I think needs to change in this whole process, Rand, is I think they need to come up with a new scoring process. In the same way that they changed the way you score in a game, in the All-Star game, which made the fourth quarter the greatest All-Star game. Yeah, why can't they do that? And the NBA is so nimble, they should do that. But like, you can't diss Dwayne Wade. He is like royalty in the NBA. No one, no one hates him. Like Wade screwed up, but again, like you said, these guys shouldn't be judging this thing. Just like Trump judging a beauty pageant. All right. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. He only is going to go with the woman that he thinks he can make. Mistakes will be made, like like holding a beauty pageant at all. So Hall of Fame forward Scotty Pippen and actor Chadwick Boseman gave him a nine too. Chadwick Boseman, that is the problem right there. What the hell is Chadwick Boseman doing? Like, I appreciate him being there. Chadwick Boseman can throw out the first ball. Chadwick yeah. Boseman can say, are you ready to dunk? But don't give that guy. Too much responsibility. Too much responsibility. Yeah. He should not be judging a slam dunk kind. Like, Chadwick Boseman wants to introduce someone at the Screen Actors Guild Choice Awards. Fine. I don't care that he's a big fan. Like, we shouldn't be judging it. I'm telling you, and we come from the world of sports. We should not be judging it. No. So he said, knew one day I'd be good. This is in the diss track. Knew one day I'd be good and you'd come for me. Didn't know it would uh, make me this hungry. He raps in the track. I like See that. It. That's good lyrics. See you in the hallway uh, when you say youngin' about to put on a show. Didn't know that was code for you're about to get rolled. I understand he's mad, but Aaron Gordon, you can't go after him like this. Yeah, you know, I- Look, he got screwed two years in a row. I, what can what can you say? I mean, the truth is he's playing for Orlando. He's probably not going to, you know, win a... Orlando's not bad, though. They're not bad, but they're not going to win a title, Rand. Come mm-hmm. on. They're not going to win a title. So this is the one piece of hardware this guy can take home. He, he said it's a wrap. He said after this year, because I feel like I should have two trophies. Jumping over someone's 7-5 and dunking is no easy feat. Why'd I get a 47? Come on, what are we doing? And he's right. I'll tell you what they're doing. You Chaswick, you got Chaswick Bose, Bozeman. You got Bojack Bozeman. Bojack, Bojack Horseman. <laughs> Chadwick, Didn't they do that Chadwick. in one of the episodes? They called him Chadwick Bozeman. Yeah, Chadwick Bozeman, man. No need to write a diss track. So then I actually saw a conversation between Dwayne Wade and Aaron Gordon where they like, I mean, they it out. Instagram lived it or something like that. And they kind of talked about it. And, and Gordon, who was kind of like, Dwayne Wade said, listen, man, Dwayne Wade's thing was, I didn't think your final dunk, and you can speak to this because I didn't see the other guy's final dunk. He said, I thought on that final dunk, your dunk wasn't as good as his. However, I thought you were better on the whole thing. I thought you were better throughout the entire time. So we've been in roast battles where like, you should judge on the whole thing. You should, that's why I think 50, having a limit of 50, or they're giving out too many 50s is what I'm saying. So. A 50 should only be for like an extraordinary out of the world dunk. Like the average dunk in the dunk contest, in my opinion, should be like a 40. And you should, or 45. Like you should only hold 45. Like nines are are like, it should be like gymnastics. Like no one gets a 10. Once in a great while do you get a 10. And then that way you reserve the 10. So maybe Aaron Gordon had two 10s. If he loses on his last dunk, He's got the cushion to win still. Like it's more, it makes it makes all the dunks so, matter. So here's the deal: there was a million on the line. That's the other thing. There's a million dollars on the line. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying Aaron Gordon isn't making money, but there should be no money on the line. Like one and two should split the same money. Right. You make it to the finals, you guys get the same. Arden it's wins. All about- now it's just about the dunks. Okay. If you're gonna have Chadwick Bozeman call it, you know, decide it, then no. That's like letting Dan Aykroyd sing on We Are the World. Or okay. decide who gets to sing. Which That's part? Right. Exactly. It, it it doesn't make sense. Uh all right, let's move let's move, move on. on. So the worm can confirm and can squirm and all over the practice facility. So of course now, as we were saying before with uh, the last dance, all this stuff is coming out about, you know, Dennis Rodman going on his quote unquote vacation that Phil let him take and all that stuff. So the full details of Carmen Electra hiding as Jordan summoned Dennis Rodman, like she really told the story. Um, is now out in the open. And that story won't top in any way what Carmen Electra revealed about the then couple's other Chicago escapades. 
Elector told the LA Times that the two once had sex all over the Bulls practice facility. What does that mean? On training tables? Like, that is just ridiculous. I don't mind what you do. Like, Dennis Rodman was famously took a dump in the hallway of a North Korean hotel, which we always ask, what's in a Dennis Rodman dump at this point? I would say cocaine and Lucky Charms. And Fruit Loops. Uh, One day when the Bulls had a day off from practicing, Dennis said he had a surprise for me, Electra told the paper. He blindfolds me and we get on his motorcycle. That doesn't sound safe. Does that seem like the kind of guy who would blindfold himself and get on the motorcycle? That's right. When he finally takes the blindfold off, we're standing at the Bulls practice facility center court. I'm sure she was like, great, we're here at your job. It was crazy. Like two kids in a candy store. Were you a kid in a candy store? Were you really, Carmen? We were eating- Sorry, by the way, she's 48. We were eating popsicles from the fridge and pretty much having sex all over the damn place. In the physical therapy room, I was right. In the weight room, obviously on the court. Obviously, Jay. To be honest, <clears throat> I didn't think he ever was ever worked so hard in his life, she said with a laugh. Dennis Rodman outworked people on the boards, okay? He got the rebound. He fought. Yeah, I, don't I don't know if Carmen Electra uh, was coming out of another relationship, but he, he definitely pulled that rebound. He knew how to get a rebound. I know. I mean, you've heard people say Dennis Rodman's not that interesting. I think he's one of the most interesting people in the Rodman, NBA. <clears throat> Rodman asked her what she wanted to drink. She did not return Rodman's calls for a long time. Uh, but when she did, their romance took off quickly, as noted in the fourth episode of the show. He was the bad boy of basketball. He dated Madonna. So, like, it's sort of like, it's like in the industry, Jay. It's like, who said yes to this guy? Madonna saying yes to Robin, like opened the door for him to get so many other women. Um, seeing yeah. the Bulls play was amazing. Michael and Scottie Pippen. <clears throat> so she made it seem like Michael and Scottie Pippen were brothers. You know, Michael and, you know, the Pippins, Michael and Scottie Pippen. Michael and Scottie, sure. <laughs> First night in Chicago, Dennis told me, you're not leaving. After that, it was quick. We fell for each other pretty fast. I wonder if they connect today. This is why, you know what I mean? I wonder if they're still in touch. I wonder if this documentary got them back in touch. Because Carmen Electra right now, and you would have never guessed, or maybe you would have, is in a way better place than Dennis Rob. Yeah. I mean, both of them are... We're fixed. Rodman is broke. Yeah, Rodman. Rodman, Rodman has no money. We know that. Rodman has no money. Like Rodman's friends with Kim Jong Un. You think like Karma Electra can like hangs with Putin? No. All right. This is why you don't get a tattoo at a young age. Specifically, if you have dreams of getting drafted by the NFL, and especially if you're a kicker. New and this is crazy. <clears throat> New England Patriots rookie kicker Justin Rohrwasser. R-O-H-R-W-A-S-S-E-R has sounds like a version of like the Waffen SS. Says a tattoo on his left arm is not meant to symbolize the markings of the three percenters, a right-wing militia group that first formed in 2008 and that he plans to get it covered up. Plans to get it covered up. He won't even like line up on the left hash mark. Now, just kidding. Uh, The Patriots selected Rohrwasser in the draft with the 159th pick overall. So... That's amazing. There were another hundred picks <clears throat> made after this guy. And you pick a Nazi kicker. Well, we don't know what it is. Uh, I got that tattoo when I was a teenager and I have a lot of family in the military. I thought it stood for a military support symbol. You didn't think it stood for that. You didn't think it stood for that. You know it didn't stand for that. Roar said I'm not going to sit by and listen to some guy bullshit his way out of it and play no. dumb. Obviously, it's evolved in something I don't want to represent. When I look when I look back on it, I should have done way more research before any marker symbol on my body. It's not something I ever want to represent. It will be covered. Here's the thing. It evolved or you evolved. I would say it devolved and maybe you evolved. Maybe. But the truth is, if you know you could potentially get drafted, you cover that thing up. How do you not know what that means? How are you... It's like when a coach... It's like when Joe Paterno said, I do. I had no idea that this was going on with, Sharon, uh, with Sandusky. Really? No, but you, so you have no knowledge of what's going on in your team. Like a head coach, the team is like your body. And the head coach should know every single thing that goes on and knows what's happening. If you don't, you're willfully not looking at it. Like you said, Jay, he is willfully not looking at what that means. On its website, the three percentage group said it's an anti-government militia, but we will defend ourselves when necessary. Great. So you're the assholes who are uh, 
protesting right now and bringing guns to your mayor's office. And yes, you don't need to be associated with that. And maybe, again, it should have been covered up before the draft. If Joe Exotic's boyfriend, who is actually straight and had a baby with the re- with the receptionist there, uh, can get a tattoo of Joe Exotic that was on his right above his junk, covered up, albeit poorly, you can do it. Okay. The fact that you didn't cover it up means you're a serious like revisionist history buff here. Right. Like saying the Holocaust like, never happened. Yeah, the you Holocaust know? never happened, probably. Something that something that, that group would have said. 23 23-year-old 23 Rohrwasser, who's from Clifton Park, New York, described himself to reporters as a hard worker and someone who's going to chase after the best version of themselves and a good teammate. You should have covered it up and you should distance yourself from those people. Patriots are looking to replace Steven Gaskowski after this in March. Uh Rohrwasser was the first kicker selected in the draft. They definitely got it right. <laughs> All right. He's he was a great. This is even- what I'm hoping. This is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that more popular black players haze this guy until he wants to quit. There you go. There haze you go. Until he wants to quit. So Street let this. Garbage. Let this. No. Let this. Exactly. Let this. See how run. he handles it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the problem is you have guys in the league like Richie Incognito who will defend him. That's yeah. what you got. All right, guys, uh, that's Quick Hits. When we come back after this break, we have a great voicemail from uh, Nick Cage, who has a new role in the, uh, in, the world of, uh, in the world of film that he'll be starting on right now. Uh, this is View from the Cheap Seats with the Sklar Brothers. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Support for this podcast comes from WGU. Do you want a more skilled and effective workforce? Do you want to build loyalty and increase employee retention? A partnership with Western Governors University could be exactly what you need. Over 300 organizations nationwide already count on WGU for valuable education benefits that lead to better prepared and more capable workers. With more than 60 accredited bachelor's and master's programs to choose from and shorter credential programs coming soon, WGU has long been a leader in making quality higher education more accessible. Flexible online learning is the key. Students can fit schooling around their existing schedules and even complete courses and degrees sooner than planned. WGU makes earning a respected degree possible with just a computer and an internet connection. Partner with WGU today to make a smart investment in your company's and employees' future. Learn more at wgu.edu partnerships. That's wgu.edu partnerships. Hey guys, welcome back. I want to mention we have a YouTube page. Uh, If you go to YouTube and type in Sclabro Country, we've got episodes of Cheap Seats up there, our old episodes, so you can, we've cataloged all that. We got, we found a treasure trove of old clips of ours. Uh, The show Held Up that we did uh, on Crackle. We're going to try and put that up there over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, Old stand-up of ours. There's a whole set of our comedy from 2009 at Comics in New York, which I just watched, which was really fun. And It was good, right? I loved it. Old clips of our stuff. So go to YouTube, type in uh, Scalabra Country and subscribe to that page. We've got lots of stuff on there. Those so, If you're looking for stuff to kind of get you through, if you want to just tool around and say, hey, I'm looking for stuff to, to watch. I've already been through all the shows that I'm at. This is a great way to just lose yourself in another time and whatnot. So do that. Uh, and speaking of entertainment, uh, our buddy- The guy who's lost in another time. Yeah, our buddy Nick Cage, and he occasionally leaves voicemails for us, uh, has a new gig, and I'm very excited. This is probably the biggest thing. It's kind of genius casting. I can't believe it, but uh, Nick Cage will be playing Joe Exotic in the TV series. Yes, they haven't sold it yet. It's with Imagine TV, Brian Grazer. Yeah, so, so, uh, it so let's, hear, let's hear what he had to say about uh, this yeah. new role. Yeah. Jason, Randy. Wow, what a world, what a world we're living in. I just want to know 
how you two are coping, how you two are dealing with the pandemic that is sweeping the nation, that of course I'm talking about the news, that I, Nicolas Cage, will be playing Joe Exotic in an actual filmed uh, television adaptation of the idea of the Tiger King. Holy shit. Guys, it feel like this is a concept that if you gave a robot and fed it all, it fed it, fed it, I'm already getting into character, and fed it all of pop culture, and then told it to eject something that would be the epitome of everything that is happening all at once, it would be the casting of Nicolas Cage as Joe Exotic. Guys, I'm so fucking pumped for this. I've already started. I, I've, I had two tigers delivered to my house. Don't worry. The delivery people were both wearing masks. I was wearing a mask. The tigers had masks. We were all socially distant, but make no mistakes. Me and these tigers are not social distancing at all because animals can't get COVID. Get at me. So listen, guys, I'm already sleeping with these tigers. Interpret that however you want. I'm already smoking meth because, not because I want to, I, because Joe Exotic smoked meth, we don't know, I'm sure he did, but he definitely used meth to manipulate young boys, so that's next on my agenda. And guys, I'm already pushing the producers of this series to let Nicolas Cage go full adaptation and play, also play Carol Baskin. I mean, how great would it be to see Cage trying to kill Cage, and then the other Cage, that other Cage killed her husband. It all makes sense, guys. Add it up! Oh, God! God, I could, this is like, this is the role I've been waiting for. Fuck my Oscars. Fuck my Academy Awards. Fuck The Rock. Fuck being able to uh, steal a bunch of 50 cars in 60 seconds, whatever the fuck the concept of that movie was. Everything that Cage has meant and been about is all coming to fruition with me playing Joe Exotic. So I'm going to check back in with you guys next week just to give you a sense of where I am with my everything that's going on. I've already got my head halfway into this tiger's mouth. I mean, guys, shit is getting real over here. All right, be safe, social distance. And if your name is Carol Baskins, if you won't let me play you, I might just have to come at you. Nope, let's not do that. Cage, I'm guys, I'm in a rage. Yeah. Okay, here's the one thing that doesn't surprise me. Anything that comes out of Nick Cage's mouth. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to hear more from him, and it may even be next week. Uh, this is a fantastic show. Thank you guys for listening. I'm glad that we're able to put together a show that still deals with what's going on in the sports world, and there is still stuff to discuss, a lot to discuss. Um, and thank you to John Brinkus for coming on. Uh, just really appreciate him and his knowledge. That was fantastic. Um, rate and review this podcast. It's always great to get this thing rated and reviewed so that it can stay up there in the old iTunes charts and whatnot. Uh, check out our daily podcast, View from the, it's, uh, excuse me, uh, Sclabra Country, Sclabra. the virus edition. Uh, so check that out. And uh, Punch Waterfalls, guys. We'll see you next week with the Dude Perfect guys. See ya. Podcast Network.